Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. Uniting coaches at every level of the game around the love of the game. We are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. Exciting times right now for soccer in the United States. The Major League Soccer playoffs are down to the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals. Kevin Egan from BN Sports, also the play-by-play voice for Atlanta United FC, joins me. And off the top, they finish as the number one team in the country for men's Division I rankings. Talking about the Indiana Hoosiers. Todd Yegley, their fine head coach, is our first guest after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Still managing your club or league on paper and spreadsheets? Go paperless with Team Snap. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, they have way fewer paper cuts. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to find out more. Now, once again, here's our host, Dean Linky. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, and I am Dean Linky. Favorite time of the year? Are you kidding me? The NCAA tournaments for every level, men and women, Division One, Two, Three, Junior College, up and running, and that includes the top seeds. By the way, Indiana finishing as the number one seed in the recently released United Soccer Coaches Podcast. They'll be the number two seed overall in the NCAA tournament. They've won the double for the first time since 2006. They won the regular season first big. 10 team ever to go a perfect 8 and 0 and they won the Big 10 tournament last Sunday in Westfield, Indiana. I'll be on the call Sunday at noon for Indiana versus the winner of the Connecticut Rhode Island game second round of the NCAA tournament and they are led by one of their own Todd Yegley. What a job he's done. National Championship head coach in 2012, incredible player at Indiana. Now he's got a team that could give Indiana their ninth star. Remember everybody, they were just overtime away from getting their ninth star last year, and they look to be even better this year. Todd Yegley kicks off the show. Todd, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Dean. It was a great weekend in Westfield because it was uh, all about the business at hand, Coach. 8-0, but you're talking about three trophies. In order to get three, got to get the second. That was a big one in Westfield, winning the Big Ten Tournament. It was. We have a really motivated group, Dean, and, um, you know, this conference, every game is challenging in different ways, and um, obviously it, it, it pushed us to the limits. Um, you know, starting with the quarterfinal game against Northwestern, heading into a you know a, our, one of our national rivals now, you know, conference rival Maryland, and then finishing off in, in really good fashion against a really talented Michigan team um, in that final. But I thought our guys were pretty clinical on the day, so to to be able to capture both titles um, says a lot for a group that. Uh, was so close last year on on all three, um, and now to have two, and you know, poised to to you know make as deep runs we can. We got a lot of work to do, but uh, we're, we're excited for that challenge. Well, one of the things uh, when you approach the challenge is to be ready for all scenarios, and I really feel like the Big Ten tournament kind of got you ready. There are some people that say, you know, hey, if you bow out, that's good. You can rest up. There are others that say, you know, keep the engine rolling. But I mean, you you play two overtime games, you dealt with penalty kicks, and then everything came together against a very good Michigan team at the right time, but that's important, right, to deal with overtime, to deal with penalty kicks. That was good experience for your team as you get ready for the NCAA tournament, Todd. 
It was. I mean, I think any time, Dean, you know, we might get the coach speak going if we say if we foul it a little early, I think we can make a positive out of it. Um, I, I'd say the only thing that you know, could really help from from a little bit of time would be rest and recovery if you have some injuries and if you have to play in that first round game Thursday. Um, that's a quick turnaround from you know. Sunday to Thursday, if if you're pushed to the limit. So, in our case, we were in a good position to obviously have that first round bye, and so us playing on Sunday, we thought was another great opportunity to push our team and to to you know be challenged. Michigan's one of the better attacking teams in the country, and uh, the guys really withstood that well. And Maryland poised uh, gave us a lot, a lot of issues, what they're good at, and then obviously Northwestern. It was you know a, a really well organized, tough team to break that we were able to finally do that so all three could be different styles that we would face in the NCAA tournament whoever we would be going against and um, it's just nice to see them reward them I mean, they worked so hard like I said we were so close you know minutes moments away um, and, and, and the, the team last year to say that was one of the best teams we ever had but yet had nothing to come home with was a really hard pill for that group to swallow and they from the first moment of this preseason we're very focused on taking care of the first line of business, and that was a regular season title. And they were very motivated every day and stayed very disciplined on the details and the process to to allow yourself to win that. And so it kind of stayed in order of what it should. Um, never looked past the, the next challenge. So now the last one's in front of us, this, this, this stretch run. Well, we mentioned those eight stars. As you take a look at this team, and we're going to break it down here to start the podcast presented by Team Snap United Soccer Coaches style. Does uh, this team remind you of any of the the teams that have won a star already for Indiana? Well, I think the, the, the maybe the common thread with this team um, potentially with a similarity would potentially be the maybe the 03 or let's say the 90 or the 83 or or 2004 um, two kind of veteran groups we didn't win obviously the year before which those two teams did in 83 and in 2004 but we're both led by a, a lot of key seniors and and a, and a and a few you know special um, players, some of which represent the country, which is no different than what we're, we're having right now with with Justin and uh, and Griffin. But I would say those three teams I would put in the in a similar category. They're all a little bit uniquely different, um, but there are more similarities than let's say the 2012 or the 88 team, or maybe the 82 team. Um, if you're if you're kind of comparing the the championship teams, of course he's talking about the similarity with um, Justin Rennix and Griffin Dorsey representing the. USA under 20s in the CONCACAF qualifications, just like Drew Moore and Ned Gravaboy did at the World Cup actually back in 2003. Missing all the NCAA tournament, flying in on that Saturday, even Sunday morning. Ned Gravaboy with the winner in the Godfather's final game. I just love that story and love the tie-in as well. And of course, Griffin Dorsey was huge coming back on Saturday. It, it did look like at times he was a man among boys just in the sense his confidence. And you got to feel that if Justin and when and if he can rejoin you with what he's doing for the USA under-20s, he'll also bring that back. Oh, it's a win-win. I mean, like you said, Dean, just talking about that 03, going back to that, just, you know, that just brings chills to the way that was done and the way that team made that run and then Drew and, and Ned to come back and, and to do it in the fashion that they did it and play such huge games to help us win. Um 
it, it's, it's pretty cool. And then, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, Griff came back, and the boys were so excited to see him. And he, you know, arrives at around 10 o'clock on Saturday night after a long day of travel, and we play, you know, the next day at noon. And I immediately inserted the lineup and said, "Let's go, give me all you got." And we managed him accordingly. We, you know, played him about a half of each half, and but he played a big part in two of our goals. And you know, they're coming off. Um, it's a big deal to represent your country, and for them to come back in this case, Griffin and and and, and play a big part in our our final game was was only fitting because he's played such an important part this whole run this year as 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 Justin for that matter and we we hope to get Justin back um you know Tab and I are are, are talking regularly and and figuring out when that best opportunity is to have Justin return but his first and most important uh, goal right now is to help our U-20s qualify for the World Cup. Talking with Todd Yegley, the Big Ten Coach of the Year. How could he not be a perfect 8-0? Never been done before. And, of course, if you watched uh, the broadcast, you know that we did the Meyer season impacts and the Bears season impacts, and there's just lace with Indiana. So let's go through it, right? Uh, and we're going to skip ahead to the Defender of the Year, who, in my opinion, is the Mac Herman Trophy winner, and I feel like he cemented it after that run against Maryland, where even Sasha Soroski called me this week to say, how what a special player he is. I mean, you're talking about coaches all over the country that have gone against Andrew Gutman that say he deserves to win the Mac Herman. Andrew Gutman, what a year. Double-digit goals from the left-back spot and one of the greatest goals as far as individual performance you're ever going to see in that goal he scored against Maryland, Todd. I mean, Dan, you, you, you hit it. I mean... Ten goals, seven assists, I believe, as a left back. I mean, we do get our backs forward. Some some wonder if he's as much in the front half as in the back, and and obviously it's tribute to our team and be able to kind of control the tempo. But I mean, the the, the greatest part about Andrew is that he he is so driven, and everything he is, is is turned into from a soccer player has been out of his own competitive desire um, to get better every day. He he is fine tuned. Um, what his body, his his play, his attention to detail, and and, and developed since the moment he came here until until we're we're still moving through his last phase here before he uh, wraps up here uh, school in January. Um, but yeah, I think I've said it, and, and again, take my IU hat off. I I don't know how you can't as someone out there watching go and how does Andrew Gutman not. Being you know in that final discussion, I'm not going to say he should, should be the stamp winner. I have my bias. I'll let the voters decide on uh, on who they think should be the, the winner. But his impact on this team um, is 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 in, in every way possible. Scoring goals, defending. I mean, you know, we went against a really good attacker on Sunday, for an example, with Jack Hallahan, and, and Andrew again did a great job of bottling him up and, and not really letting Hallahan find much of the game and yet that's a little bit overshadowed by all his attacking play he's become a really good defender so we're we're really pleased and certainly hoping that he could raise uh, that crystal ball in, in January in St. Louis. Oh, I love it. And I love that you mentioned that because he completely neutralized Jack Hallahan. Shaka Daly told me as much today that Andrew Gutman shut out Hallahan. Hallahan had to move around, tried to break free, couldn't do it. And he also gave credit to Andrew Gutman, who he thought should win the award as well. But uh, hopefully you heard me have some fun. It was uh, kind of ironic that you were playing Michigan because one of the most iconic moments in sports is when Desmond Howard did the Heisman. And I was kind of joking on the air with, you know, I don't know exactly what Mr. Herman looks like, but I mean, if there was a pose for it after that goal, that was the time to do it, right, Coach? 
Yeah, well, he did. He did the karate kick against the <laughs> the corner flag. I don't know if that really resembles much, but um, you know, he, he's he's a confident young man. He he, he works really hard. But he loves winning. He loves competing. I mean, he loves competing. He lo- the bigger the game and the bigger the matchup. Um, Dean, I mean, it, it goes back to his freshman year. I mean, no one had a, knew how to handle Harrison from Lake Forest. And we played them at their place, and he completely neutralized him as a freshman. Um, and they had to move him to the other side of the field. And and I, I really got him going for about four days straight because just when you push him the right way, he'll rise to the occasion. And he's done it throughout his career. The bigger the challenge, the bigger the contest, the more Andrew Gutman is ready to show up. Yeah, and, you know, uh, it's a, yeah, it's a great thing. Yeah, it, you know, along those lines, I'll, I'll also tell you that one of your rival coaches, Sasha Swarovski, said that when he looks at the college game, the one player in the college game that he feels like could start a left back or start just for the U.S. full national team is Andrew Gutman. And to me, that's just case closed right there with that statement. It's it's great. I mean, we, we we get a little bit biased. We also I see everything that he doesn't do as well too. I mean, I break film down all all the time. The guys know that I'm, I'm, the attention to detail in that piece. So I see all the things I know. He'll, he still needs to get better at. So I I always feel that sometimes that can be as tough on our guys when it comes to the how they're perceived outside of our our team. Um, but you, you said it, Dean. I mean, every opponent. I've never seen more teams switch lineups, change where players play based on where Andrew Gubin is. And and that's the best compliment you can get. Um, and, and no different when, the, you know, you, you play a team and they just said, I just couldn't get my, we couldn't play the way we wanted to play today. Well, that's, that's the same thing as saying the opponent was pretty darn good. Um, I think Andrew does that against the opponent. It's, he just He's able to have such an effect not only on the defensive end, which is most important first and foremost. I tell Andrew all the time he's a defender first. And then what he does on the attacking end is uh, just put teams under siege um, constantly with his movement and uh, his ability to, to make plays. Let's keep going. Big Ten Coach of the Year. We're talking to him, Todd Yegley. Big Ten Defender of the Year. We just covered him, Andrew Grootman. Big Ten Goalkeeper of the Year, Trey Muse, who was dynamic, spectacular in PKs against Maryland. Oh, what a what a what a talent! Um, I mean, he did it last year in the penalty shootout with Michigan State. Came up with a couple of huge saves, and again, talk about a player that wants the stage and wants the moment. Um, you know, that's what you love in a keeper. You love in a defender, a striker. The ones that love the, the big moment aren't afraid to make a mistake, and if they do, they're right back in it, competing. Um, Trey is Trey has all the tools. He will be playing at the next level. It's just win, Dean. Um, and 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 certainly, I can't wait to 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 see him. You know, represent uh, IU at the next level. And I'd say he's one of our young players that. Um, you know, could continue on past that. Um, you know, when you look at you know the the, the rise of of Stephen at Maryland, who I got to see obviously for his years, uh, Trey Muse could be on that same trajectory as a, a player that maybe in the years ahead we're talking about with our national team. That's how that's how talented and and how much growth potential he still has in his game. I love that the coaches also recognize that it's not just the Andrew Gutman show in the back. Second team All Big Ten, Reese Buckmaster, Timmy Mel, and then. And the Big Ten Freshman of the Year, another guy who's got next-level potential, Jack Mayer. So we got the Coach of the Year, Defender of the Year, Goalkeeper of the Year, and then the Freshman of the Year in that back line, Coach. It's a pretty good special group. I mean, Dean, going back last year, this this group, you know, with 
with the, we have to remember the, the the runner up to the player of the year was Grant Lillard, who we lost. Um, arguably, could have won that award, and I'm sure many have thought was was the best player in college soccer. I mean, to lose him and, and to insert Jack Mayer required a couple things: Jack to be really talented as a freshman, which he is, and two, all the other players in that grouping just got a little bit better. Um, Timmy Mel, Trey Muse behind him. Reese Buckmaster, Andrew Gutman, uh, Frankie Moore, Jeremiah Gucci, all the people that play around uh, Jack all excelled and, and got better. But you can't say enough about a freshman. I mean, holy cow, to come in and, and fill the shoes of Grant Lillard um, as well as he has as a freshman says a lot about him. And he also has a, a tremendous future ahead. And uh, you mentioned Reese Buckmaster. I mean, He's our neutralizer. Um, I, I just haven't seen yet, in the past two years in particular, a, a, a player um, that we've gone against that has gotten the better of Respawn Master over the course of 90 minutes. And we're talking against some high-level uh, teams, and he is... He is a phenomenal 1v1 defender and has also grown in other areas of his game with his attacking ability and, and overall tactical uh, awareness. So I'm really, I'm really happy for that whole group. They've all developed really well during their time here and um, all had next-level opportunities. And yet the heart and soul of the team is a guy who, uh, you know, almost I feel like we can joke with him, it looks bull-legged, right? It looks like it's hard for him to run out there, but he's a guy that, to a man, every player on your team says – I'm going to pick him first in a 4v4. He's the toughest guy I played against, said Andrew Gutman. And he's talking about his teammate, Frankie Moore. I mean, what a leader. And you, I can still hear Richard Broad talking about all the great holding midfielders over the years for Indiana. And he's right there with all of them. Frankie Moore. It is. I mean, we've had, boy, we had some good ones. Um, you know, back to the, the, the John Stolmeyers. Um, you know, through the Brain Awards, the Kilo Porters, the, um, the Jacob Booth, I mean, you name it. We, we've had such an unbelievable group of, of tough-minded winners. And that's the common thread, Dean, you said it. You know, there's no bigger winner um, on our team. And he gives so many of the players around him that strength and that belief. Um, and he's, a, he's able to make plays. I mean, there, there's something to be said about just making key plays and being there when the team needs you, and he epitomizes that. And, yeah, he may not have the, 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 the best passing range in college soccer or that he's not the fastest guy in the field or doesn't necessarily look like he uh, is, the, is, the, is the permanent you know, holy midfielder, but I wouldn't trade or nor our team wouldn't trade him for one player. That's yeah. how important he is for us. I don't feel like too many Big Ten coaches or coaches across the country would either. And, Todd, telling the story of your team, I mean, here you are, you finished number one, but I do feel like, you know, despite that, this is one of the best coaching jobs you've ever seen because you don't have a Will Bruin or Eric Zavaleta or Pat Noonan. You don't have a guy that's just, you know, putting in 20 goals. Your leading goal scorer is your left back. But, like, early on, first of all, by the way, remind everybody, I mean, Indiana started the season at Wake Forest, a game that they had the majority of the game, lost in overtime, then played North Carolina a few days later. A.J. Palazzolo, who was in the battle for center back, scores the goal, and he's not even a traditional number nine. I mean, you're trying out almost Jeremiah Gutiar as a number nine the other day with that diving header. Is he he wants some time, right? I mean, you have just figured it out with multiple players scoring double figure points, including guys that don't even start like Spencer Glass. He's in double figures. 
Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty great to see all the balance in our team, and I, I think that's what we're most proud of. I mean, the balance of this team um, is what we strive for, and you, you can't take one element away from us and say you've solved Indiana on the day. Um, doesn't guarantee we're going to win the game, but I can tell you what we can we can strike in a lot of different ways, and we can be effective defending in a lot of different ways, and uh, whether it's restarts, you name it, but. I think a big part, Dean, is just the environment that we have in the in the competitive nature of our of our program. Because um, when you look at some of these seniors and fifth year seniors, they've all just stayed the course, and it hasn't they haven't come in as as let's say a Justin Rennex or Griffin Dorsey, who were the national team you know hot name on the on the ticket. Um, these are some players that just developed and and waited their time and 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 just got better, and that's a tribute to the players around them and the competitive nature of the group and that I think is really what the, the, the program is what has put this team in place to do something special um, you know we, we, we work hard at selecting the right people and, and the right type of talent um, that's that's our job but then from here it just it, it just churns and you know Timmy Mel is a, is a phenomenal example of that and and uh, you know Reese Buckmaster was a, was a midfielder that we converted to right back and just bought into that opportunity to to develop there we saw the skill sets and it didn't happen automatically um, Jordan Klein who's was a striker and now helping us at center back. Um, you know, it just, you know, Trevor Schwartz, I mean, he's kind of our Swiss Army knife with Jeremiah Gutierrez. You can put him anywhere in the midfield or in advanced roles, and he knows every role of our team. And that's also the luxury of having a lot of four and five year guys, is that they've seen so many situations that have been so, so. Uh, through so much uh, video recap, they know all the roles of our team, and so when I'm when we move them around, it, it's just a different version of of uh, our skill set in that position. But they know the roles of it. Corey Thomas, Austin Pacho, and we've Corey said Thomas, every yeah. name. We've said now every name. That's and really, I mean, the Big Ten coaches noticed that as well because pretty much all those guys receive some sort of accolade at the end of the season. I mean, pretty much your entire starting eleven made some sort of recognition, which is just unheard of you know but when you go eight no you got to look deep at the team and that's what the coaches did right yeah they did i mean you, you hit another one i mean what a great job poncho and Corey tom and Corey thomas from corden at the end i mean i don't know if there's ever been a soccer player that's played in college come from corden <laughs> uh, you're, you're through the town in a blank and you know he was you know a, a kid we found at camp that had all this talent, but it all just kind of took some time to to put come together. And I mean, what a what a last few years he's having for us. I mean, he was so key for us in our our run last year, and this year he's battling injuries and and continues to help us in so many different spots in the field. And had a huge weekend um, in Westfield, and um, it, it's it's great to see. You know, so many of our, our our experienced players kind of show the way also for our young players because that's the that's the legacy they finally leave is you know what what are they going to now pass on to the next group and they've passed on a lot and they've also continued to raise the bar and that's what I love. 
A man who set the bar is a man you know well, the Godfather, and you just get the feeling uh, he even called me uh, this week as well, and you can just tell. Uh, and Todd, I mean, you even mentioned just the way he handled Drew Moore and Ned Gravavoy. You took notice of that, and I got to believe in all of your messages to the team beforehand. There's a little bit of Godfather in your messages because I know you've got such admiration for him, not just as your dad, but as one of the legendary coaches. Your mom is always always right there as well. I mean, it's all in Bloomington. It's all in Yagley's right now, right? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 been the unique you know, aspect of our program, Dean, is the family you know connection and um, you know starting in the '63 when when my mother and father first came here to all the years and the the success that we've had. There's been common threads of the right people, um, you know, great players, strong leadership, and a and a sense of family and. You know, a lot of people talk about it. It's, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a lot of time, and and that's that's why when we you know we make decisions on players we bring in the program, so much has to go into that because that sense of family and and and, and the, the the character values that my dad worked and so hard to develop um, are so important to us, and we never forget kind of where we came from. And those core values of, of you know how Indiana soccer was developed because nothing was handed to this program. It started from nowhere, and we we talk about that a lot with our team. Uh, they take nothing for granted, and they certainly always um, we always talk about the past. We reflect on it. Um, that's something to be really proud of because I think you know playing with pride is one of the strong. Um, you know, strengths of our group. When you when you have that sense of pride, it, it, it gives you an extra edge uh, in your performance. Of course, this is the United Soccer Coaches podcast. I'll have all kinds of uh, pride when the three of us get together. You and the Godfather is part of a, a key session at the United Soccer Coaches Convention, which will be great. It's in Chicago, not that far from Bloomington, and obviously, I spend a lot of time there with the Big Ten Network. It's going to be incredible that session and just having the convention in Chicago, Coach. Oh, we're excited! I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really excited that my father would 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 do this, and you know he doesn't do many things kind of outside of, uh, you know when he when he stepped down, he really kind of stepped away and and wanted everyone else to to take control and. Even though I talk to him and I see him every day, um, you know, so to to have him kind of come out and give give his uh, you know feelings on on whatever topic might be brought up, Dean is he, he's a he's uh, he's a gem. I mean, there's no doubt that um, you know what he's experienced, what he's seen, and um, is, is something that we have to pull from and and, and document. And I'm, I'm really excited. And I know that uh, a lot of Hoosier fans will be excited. Come. Uh, Probably in a couple weeks now, we're going to be um, releasing a video that it's I've called a 30 for 30 type. Uh, that it's going to be a documentary on our program, hmm. and I, it's a must see. And and the good news is my father is going to have a huge impact in that in that video, and uh, people will be able to see what what all went into uh, you know building this program from from the from the ground up. Hopefully, there's a few Dean Linky goal calls in that uh, 30 for 30 somewhere in there, squeezed in there. I would hope so. <laughs> There's been a few over the years, that's for sure, and hopefully more to come. Sunday, Big Ten Network, 12 noon. I'm sure there'll be a great crowd out at Yagley Field, Armstrong Stadium. It's either Rhode Island or it's UConn. I guess at this point you don't care, right, Todd? What's your approach to Sunday's game? 
You're right, Dean. It's it's they're both really good teams. We've already you know we played UConn this year. They were one of the better teams we played. Uh, we played them early in our classic, um, and then Rhode Island. I've been tracking, and you know we follow teams around the country, and um, starting to get a little bit of visual on them right now. And uh, they remind me a lot of New Hampshire of last year, and, and New Hampshire's quite a nice team this year as well. But um, a lot of internationals and, and a strong team, and it, it whoever we whoever we're gonna get is gonna be in a battle. Um, there's so many good teams in this field, and a lot of good teams left out. So uh, you know, we're, we're, we don't take it for granted. Too, this is our 32nd straight appearance, um, and, and that itself is maybe one of the the, the best measures of, of what the program's been able to do, and that's been consistent consistency. And uh, we're, we're excited to, to kick this thing off on Sunday. 32 incredible years, you know, Todd. Coming up right after you, Kevin Egan, who started uh, just kind of you know doing whatever he could at the Big Ten Network. Now he's got a big voice at BN. Still follows your program and all of college soccer. By the way, he uh, I already talked to him. He sends uh, his best to you and the Godfather and the entire Indiana family. That's good to hear. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to see Kevin's you know path. I mean, you're right. He just started here in the. The network we talk often heading into games, and he did a, a soccer show on the on the on the BTN, which is great. And uh, to see all that hard work pay off, and now he's got a really big platform out there in, in the soccer world. Hey, good luck on Sunday. Can't wait for the call. I'm sure I'll talk to you later in the week just to get up to date on, as if we don't know everything we need to know about uh, Indiana soccer. But uh, I can't wait, Todd. Always a pleasure. Good luck on Sunday, 12 noon, BTN, and out at Yeagley Field. Thanks for everything you do, Dean. I appreciate it. We all appreciate it. Good to be appreciated. Thank you so much, Todd Yeagley. And as we just told you, Kevin Egan from BN Sports, the TV play-by-play voice for Atlanta United FC. Coming up next, Kevin Egan. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Todd Yagley. Finished the United Soccer Coaches rankings as the number one team in the nation. They'll be the number two seed in the NCAA tournament. And you can catch Todd Yagley's Indiana Hoosiers on Sunday, 12 noon on Big Ten Network. I'll have the call. A man who used to be my broadcast partner who has gone on to bigger and better things is Kevin Egan. The man is a legend. He is on BN Sports. He's the host of the Extra, which we'll learn more about. He's also the play-by-play and the host for Atlanta United of Major League Soccer. And boy, what a dream situation that is with Atlanta. The great one, Kevin Egan, joins me now. Kevin, thanks for being with me. Oh, Dean, what a pleasure. Great to chat to you again. Loved our time together uh, at the Big Ten Network and hope to do it again sometime. Oh, I appreciate that. I mean, you were so great there and have been following your career. I mean, you're, you're a star among stars. Just talk about the transition to be in, Kevin, because um, you're doing some great things there. Oh, thanks. You're too kind, Dean. It was three years ago, uh, just before, excuse me, just after my wedding, actually. I was married in North Carolina, a place you know very well, Bald Head Island, magical spot off of Southport in North Carolina. And then a, a few days later, I started at BN Sports. So my wife and I never had the honeymoon. We packed up our stuff in Chicago and drove to Miami. So I've been here for about three years covering the likes of La Liga, Serie A, Liga, 
as well as some US men's national team away games and qualifying and some big international games, the likes of Common Ball, um, South American qualifiers are on our air too. So it's been a real joy to, to, to cover the international game and so many different parts of the world here would be in. Well, and it's given you an incredible platform, and I like how you have stepped up with that platform because you're not afraid. When you've got an opinion, you step up and you make it, even with uh, your expert analyst, uh, Kevin. I mean, that's part of your whole world right now, right? You're not afraid to say what uh, what's on your mind. Well, I usually shy away from it, to be honest. I think you might be referring to the Leo Messi piece during the World Cup, that's am I right? right? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that just that grinds my gears. That's one of those ones that got to me because so many people find the lazy option of criticising Leo Messi when it comes to the international scene. And I, you know, if, if you want to criticise him, fair enough, but do it in a fair way. And I felt that on that show, on that day, the, the two other panelists that were on set with me went out of their way to criticize Messi in a needless way when the truth is that the Argentine Federation is a joke and the setup within the Argentine team was really poor as well as the caliber of player aside from Messi it just wasn't near what France were able to put out that day so to to hone in and solely blame Leo Messi really got to me and I I think I let it go on set. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah that is exactly what I'm talking about but I mean even in just your general role I mean you definitely you come in with information you're not just to, you know, standing there, you know, handing stuff off. So I love that about you. You're all in. You're great. People love you. And with that, obviously, Atlanta loves you as well. I mean, talk about uh, that opportunity to be their play-by-play voice and what is just uh, an amazing situation. The crowds there are incredible. The team is incredible. They score a ton of goals. I mean, the whole nation, and perhaps even bigger than the whole nation, is excited about what they're seeing with Atlanta. It's been such a joy, honestly, Dean. Every second of this season has been one of those where I pinch myself and I find myself at Mercedes-Benz Stadium with 70,000 people. And it came about totally by accident rather than design because Atlanta United had their play-by-play guy secured, a guy named Alan Green, who's a commentator with BBC Radio over in England. And he, he had signed with Atlanta United but then said he couldn't do the first five games of the season because of his commitments with the BBC and the Champions League. So I had interviewed Darren Eels and Carlos Bocanegra for my show The Extra on BN Sports shortly before that. And we got along well and, you know, I had them on the show and everything went really well. So then when Alan Green said he couldn't do the first five games, you know, there was an option for me to do them. They contacted me and said, would you be interested? And after that, I had to speak with Darren Eels over the phone and go through a bit of a process to get those first five games and I was lucky to get them and I think they went they went reasonably well so then for the following season they said to me hey would you like to be our full time play by play guy so uh, naturally I, I jumped at it I begged my boss at BN Sports to let me do it and I'm very grateful that they said yes and I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed the journey so far alongside Dan Gargan former LA Galaxy defender and Gillian Sackovitz Alright well now you've got a front row seat as we are down to the conference finals and we'll start with the Eastern Conference Finals because it's Atlanta and the New York Red Bulls, you know, break it down. Who do you see coming out of it? Uh, and it's okay if you've got a little bias for Atlanta, but I know you'll set us straight anyway. Well, it's such a difficult one to call, even though the Red Bulls have had Atlanta's number. You know, what's the interesting thing about this, Dean, is five teams in Major League Soccer have yet to lose to Atlanta United. So Atlanta has beaten 17 of 22. Those five teams are Seattle, Toronto, 
both those are out of the playoffs. But then the other three are the three remaining teams other than Atlanta. So the five stripes have yet to beat New York Red Bulls, yet to beat Portland Timbers, and yet to beat Sporting Kansas City. So it's an uphill task for Tata Martino's men, and especially against the Red Bulls, because tactically they seem to adjust and really figure out Atlanta United. And I thought that um, Tata's men were very poor at Red Bull Arena last month when they played, and, and the Red Bulls beat them by two goals to nil. And if you remember that game, Chris Armas was, was celebrating in front of his home fans and egging on the fans, and Tata Martino didn't like that at all. And he actually didn't shake Chris Armas's hand after the game, which leads me to believe that this is going to be a spicy affair over the two legs. And uh, I, I, I don't know how to call it, because the Red Bulls have been so incredibly good this season. You, when, you, when you want to talk about coaching and getting the best out of your players, Atlanta United have spent an awful lot more money than the Red Bulls, yet the Red Bulls won the supporter shield, yet the Red Bulls bring through a player like Long at the back, uh, you know, a, a player like uh, Royer, who in midfield has been sensational this season coming in, and they continue to get the goods out of um, Badly Roy Phillips up front, while also bringing through youth in Sean Davis and Tyler Adams. So I think huge credit needs to go to Chris Armas, because out goes Jesse Mark mid-season, yet the transition was absolutely seamless, while Chris Armas has also put his stamp on the team. Um, so I think we're in for a real battle over the course of the two legs, but the key for Atlanta United is this. Miguel Almiron is fit, he's fighting, he's looking fresh, and these could be his final few games for Atlanta, as well as Tata Martino, and they want to send those two guys out with a bang. Set us straight, why is Coach Martino, why did he decide to leave? Well, traditionally, when you look back at Tata Martino's career, he's never stayed on anywhere after three years. That's been the magic number for him, and I think he looks at it and says... I'm leaving on a high when we've broken all sorts of records. He came in when Atlanta United didn't have a stadium. They didn't have any real guarantees on players. And he took a chance with Atlanta United. Um, but Atlanta United, you could also argue, took a chance on him with the ambition that they had. Tata Martino was coming off, uh, uh, you know, his stock was high, but he was coming off two losses, two very draining uh, losses in the Copa Americas. And the, the Copa America and the Copa America Centenario both times losing on penalties to Chile and I just feel he's had his day in the sun here in Atlanta and now it's a case of a fresh challenge if he loses Miguel Almiron he loses an awful lot of what his game is surrounded by and his game is focused on um, Miguel Almiron has that electric pace Atlanta United play that rock and roll style, style soccer they don't necessarily play a ticky tacky possession let the opposition chase Atlanta United nearly counter through possession, if that makes sense. You know, like, play it at the back, all of a sudden draw teams in, and then hit them on the counter-attack through possession. And that's what Miguel Almiron is so good at. Um, you know, Atlanta, there's a myth about Atlanta and about the way they like to play. Atlanta can play a lot of long balls in games. They love to play a long ball, but they do it with a purpose. And they play a long ball from a central defender, a diagonal switch, catching a fullback from an opposing team out of position, and then you see an Almiron uh, making the break into the channel. So th there's a real purpose to the way they play. Tata Martino's a legend in Atlanta. He's reached this kind of cult status in the city at the moment. And I think it's a good time for him to say, ciao, ciao.
I've had my day, and hopefully he can end it with a win. I'd love to see it happen. Phenomenal breakdown of the Eastern Conference Finals. Over in the Western Conference Finals, you've got Sporting KC, Peter Vermees, and what they've done, not just this year, but really building a model franchise You know, from top to bottom. Incredible what uh, they've done under Peter Vermees' leadership, who is now known as a guy who can delegate and let other people take on responsibility. And then Giovanni Savarisi, who I saw a lot during the NASL days and USL days. I'm certainly proud of the job he's done with Portland. Break down that matchup, Kevin. I, I think it's a wonderful point you just made, being proud of him, and I'm, I am too, um, because he's someone you looked at in NASL and thought he needs to get an opportunity. He should be valued for everything he's done with the Cosmos. And likewise, I'm thrilled to see Vancouver take a chance on Mark DeSantos. And I think it's going to be an excellent decision in time, because he's one of those I, I have a good friend of mine who played for Mark DeSantos, um, and he, he just said to me, Kev, he's the best coach of ever had and he's played with a lot of good coaches this player but he said Marco Santos is excellent with the players he gives them a clear picture as to what he wants from them and as you know Dean and as anyone listening knows that, that follows the game all players want is that clear direction all they want is is an identity and to be told exactly what they need to do when there's mixed messages uh, from coaches that's when it leads to players talking about the coaches behind their back one thing leads to another and it never ends well and I think Marco Santos and Gio Savarese have deserved those chances and Gio Savarese has taken it to a different level this season, taking Portland now into the final four. Remember, 23 Dreamers at the start of the season. Savarese is one of the final four standing at the end and now he'll test himself against a coach who's who, who's been tested for many years now and has proven to be an excellent coach in Major League Soccer in Peter Burmese. Um But they haven't had success in the last four years or so in the playoffs sporting Kansas City. Um, now they've had that big win against Real Salt Lake. There was a bit of squeaky bum time at the end. But they've got a lot of talent. Uh, I just, I have a feeling that Gio Severace and Portland are going to get this one done. Uh, there's something special about the team right now, and and one of my favorite players in Major League Soccer. It's not Valeri, even though he's up there. It's Diego Chara, and and he really embodies everything that Gio Savarese is on the field. Uh, you see it in world football, whether it's a, a Diego Godin really encapsulates and embodies what Diego Simeone is for Atletico Madrid. I see that in Chara for Gio Savarese, and he leaves everything out on the field, the Colombian, um, and he's just one of those infectious players that I love to see play, and they, they seem solid at the back, they've got great youth further forward in Ibobese, and Valeri in behind. I, I can see Portland heading to MLS Cup. You didn't really commit on the Eastern side, but uh, I feel like if, it, if your heart is speaking, you're predicting a Portland-Atlanta final that would be You know be what, Dean? I'm, I'm going to go Atlanta, and it's not because of the bias. I, I just feel there's been, a, there's been a shift since that game on October 28th against Toronto. There's a, there was a, a sour, toxic feeling around Atlanta after that loss. That was a devastating loss against Toronto. But the big difference was last year in the playoffs, Atlanta had such a packed schedule and seemed to back in a little bit. The players were exhausted. And then it was a real killer for them because they had that midweek knockout game against Columbus that went all the way to penalty kicks. This year, the team avoided the midweek game. They were able to rest up. They were able to regroup using the experience of players like Parkhurst and Rentowitz. And now there's something fresh about welcoming Almiron back. The wave of enthusiasm from the fans with the El Tata Tifo the last game against New York City FC, I just feel there's been a bit of a shift in momentum. And I, I feel that if Atlanta United are finally going to take down the Red Bulls, they'll do it at the most important time. And I'm going to go with Atlanta to get the job done, setting up 
MLS Cup in front of 75,000 people at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on December 8th against Portland Timbers. Oh, that'll be incredible. And one of the things that you did say, though, about to the opposition for Atlanta, you mentioned Davis in the midfield. He started at Duke. He made his way through college soccer. Todd Yagley kicked off the show. Of course, the NCAA tournament begins on Thursday, the day that uh, this show airs. And, you know, you think about to the fact that you've got these international stars. You just talked about Almarone and all these other ones. But uh, you're still seeing some great college soccer players make that next level leap to MLS, Kevin. Absolutely, and we'd love to see it, Dean. I'm right there with you. Sean Davis has been exceptional. You know, even a little bit closer for me covering Atlanta United, I look at someone like Julian Gressel, and his value has soared since playing college soccer and how successful he's been. You know, he's someone who time after time after time you bring in a player like Eric Rometty, you bring in Darlington Nagby, you have Almiron already, and people say, you bring in Barco for 15 million, people say, well, that's it, Gressel's going to be kicked out of the team. No, Julian Gressel, a college soccer player, is, is one of the first names on the team sheet for Atlanta United. And when you look around Major League Soccer, there's, there's an example of that everywhere you look. A player that you and I covered together, Jay Chapman, was playing against Atlanta on that final day that I talked about on October 28th for Toronto and has, a, has had a good run uh, up in Ontario. So it's wonderful to see. Long may it continue, and, and we're both big fans of the college game, and I hope to see many more players uh, to come from college soccer. And also, but while I'm on that topic, um, for the extra each and every day now, we're covering a lot of Santiago Solari, now manager of Real Madrid and a player. Or who won the Champions League with Real Madrid, but also someone who played a season with Richard Stockton College in New Jersey. Yeah, Tim Lenahan, trust me, he, he reminds me every single day. <laughs> every day I get a text from, from Tim Lenahan. He'll be so proud that you mentioned him. I mean, it's an amazing story, right? Yeah, it is. And credit to Tim Lenahan, because Tim told me about this you know, back in 2011, 2012, he's like, hey, remember Solari? Remember Zidane's goal in the 0-2 Champions League final? Remember his assist? And, and we had talked about Santiago Solari before. And Santiago Solari is someone that many fans of the game here may remember from his time with ESPN, um, covering the game as an analyst in North America. But now to see him as Florentino Perez's main man at the White House in Madrid, the Santiago Bernabeu, is remarkable. And if truth be told, Dean, the team has performed brilliantly since he's been in. Four games, four wins, 15 goals scored. Um, they've had a little bit of luck along the way, and they've played weaker opposition. But Solari has now got himself a new contract, and he simplified things. Julian Lopetegui tried to play this real attractive, expansive style of football with, with Real Madrid, and, and the players had it their own way under Zinedine Zidane, who kind of gave them a license to express themselves. And now Solari has given that license back to the players. And I think it's going to work for him. That's amazing, because I was going to make sure that you mentioned Solari because of Tim Lenahan. You did it on your own. That's how good you are. Here's the deal as well. I mean, Solari, former player, good-looking guy. Kevin Egan, former player, good-looking guy. You could be a coach next, right? Kevin, what do you think? <laughs> oh, just stop. You're too kind, dude. I don't feel I'm having a very handsome day today. Well, hey, real quickly, before we let you go, because we know you got to go to work at BN, but uh, what is your take on the next coach for the U.S. national team? It's a big hire. It's an important hire. It's a must-win hire. It's a must-win hire. So this is the easy thing to say now, but for the past year and since, since Bruce Arena was actually in charge before the disaster on October 10th last year in Trinidad, I felt that the, the next man for the job in my mind covering Major League Soccer is Greg Berhalter. And I'm a, I'm a fan of the way they play. I'm a fan of, of 
the way he sees the game. I'm a fan of the way he has a clear idea of what his players need to do. And I think for an international coach, those players need to be selected to fit that system. If you if you change your, your systems all the time and you try and accommodate every player, you're going to be lost and you won't have that clear identity. Whereas I think Burhalter will come in and say, okay, this is the way I like to play. I like to push my centre-backs wide, bring my holding midfielder in to act as a deep-lying playmaker. My full-backs go high. Um, I have a, a midfielder to complement someone like a Will Trap that plays that system for him at Columbus. And it's identifiable. And I just think he's someone who's worked hard as a player and then as a coach to be the first American to go and coach abroad to come back to have success remember let's not sell this uh, a little bit short here to have success with a team where you have an owner trying to lift them and move them to a different city um, a disengaged fan base for the majority of last season a fan base that doesn't see the team spend any money and you go and you get results like that. You go and take them to the playoffs again this year when you have other teams like a Toronto that were in the Eastern Conference uh, picture that didn't make the playoffs. I think he deserves enormous credit. He doesn't get that credit. And a part of the, the way that U.S. soccer has let this play out, I think has actually harmed Greg Berhalter because people are now finding reason to criticize Greg Berhalter and say, well, why is he the only one that seems to be in the picture for this job when in truth he, he's done everything right and I don't think he should be criticised for the fact that his brother works in the organisation or that he was the only name um, in Ernie Stewart's book I think he's done a tremendous job at Columbus and I would love to see him get the job Oh what a great take remind everybody Kevin Egan where they can catch you on BN Sports please Yeah thanks Dean it's the extra each and every night Monday through Friday 7pm Eastern time with uh, news highlights bit of fun along the way good analysis with the the likes of Christian Vieri, Ray Hudson, Phil Shane, Thomas Rung, and those guys. So each and every night there and doing Atlanta United games during the season. So uh, it's been a real pleasure, Dean. Thanks so much for having me. Incredible pleasure. Congratulations on the news of the, your impending child as well. Well done, Kevin uh, Egan. You. Bright lights for Kevin Egan. What a great guest. Also, Todd Yeagley, the head coach of the Indiana Hoosiers. They finished the regular season as United Soccer Coach's number one team in the men's Division One rankings. And they'll face either Rhode Island or UConn, Sunday, 12 noon on the Big Ten Network. I want to thank all the great people at United Soccer Coaches, Sean Chevrolet, Mike Knipper, Lynn Burling manuel Steve Veal, Rob Keogh, Ian Barker, Jeff Van Dusen, and the list goes on and on. We will see you next Wednesday for a special Thanksgiving edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Too much soccer to go on to take a week off. A Wednesday release next week of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. I'm Dean Linke. See you next week. Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With TeamSnap, it doesn't have to. They help customers save their time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with TeamSnap. Go to TeamSnap.com to find out more.